welcome to North Church. We're excited that you're here with us today. In just a minute, the band's going to lead us in a few songs, followed by one of our North Church Bible teachers, who will share a message to inspire us to go deeper into our walk with the Lord. All in all, you can expect our service to last about one hour. If you have questions right now or are wondering what's going on here at the church, you can visit us online at northchurch.net. Scroll to the bottom of the page, click on e-bulletin, and there you'll find out all the happenings here at the church. If after service you still have questions, go ahead and visit our info center out in the lobby. There you'll find a happy volunteer able to answer any of your questions that you might have. And don't forget about our coffee bar. Our coffee bar is located out in the lobby and it's supported entirely by your donations. We have all of your favorite beverages and donuts, so don't forget to check us out. Here in North Church, we believe in connecting people into healthy and growing relationships. One way we do that is through Rooted. Rooted is our 10-week experience that will not only deepen your relationship with the Lord and learn more about His purpose that He has for your life, it will also help you develop relationships and connections here in this community. Our next session of Rooted starts on April 11th. To register, go online to our website. On our events page, there you'll find registration for Rooted and Rooted Kids. We believe in developing wholehearted followers of Christ of all ages. Now, I know if you've ever been to a summer camp before, you know the importance and the impact that it has on your walk with the Lord. So students going into third grade all the way through high school, camp is an incredible opportunity for you to deepen your relationship with the Lord. Now I know summer is a long ways off and it's hard to start thinking about it this early in the year, but it's gonna be here before we know it. So go ahead and mark your calendars and start saving your pennies because it's an awesome opportunity. The Easter season is upon us. This Easter, April 16th, North Church is holding three services, one at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. So go ahead and invite those people that you've been wanting to bring to church for a while. Your neighbors, your friends, your family, whoever it might be, we'll see you on April 16th. Those are all the announcements that I have for you today. If after service you're in need of prayer, go ahead and step forward and a member of our prayer team would love to agree with you in prayer. And don't forget to check into North Church on Facebook. Every three check-ins provides an item for a welcome basket for refugee families coming into Spokane. That's everything, so go ahead and stand. We're gonna sing. Good morning, North Church. We have a special guest with us today. This is my friend, Nicole. And she's going to be leading worship with us this morning. Would you give her a hand? Good morning.
service had you. Let's try it again. Good morning, North Church. You got him. That's awesome. Well, hey, not much happened this weekend, right? Love it. Go Zags. Except our Zags are in a national championship tomorrow night. Woo! Pretty darn awesome for Spokane. Pretty darn awesome for Gonzaga. And you don't have to be a basketball fan to still be excited. This is a big deal for Spokane. So just let me off those, the hook, those of you who are sick of Zags. We're not sick of Zags until after tomorrow night, right? <laughs> okay, just so we're all clear. Well, hey, I want to welcome you, especially if this is your first time, maybe you've been coming for a while. I want to invite you to something we do called First Connect. It's right after this service. You get to, I'd love to just meet you in person. Uh, we designed this so that you can meet a pastor face-to-face, -face, get to know a little bit more about North Church and how you can connect here. So I will be right under the monitor, right over here to my left, right after service, takes just about five minutes. Right now though, I'd love it if you'd meet each other, turn to the person next to you and ask them what they're doing tomorrow night. Should be telling. <laughs> new friends out there now. Hello. You want to tell us a little bit about you, kiddo? 
My name is Asanan Franks. I'm nine years old, and I go to Meadows Elementary, and my favorite color is pink, teal, and purple. Three colors. You guys got three colors. Last service didn't get any colors. Hey, Addison is up here this morning to talk to us about Rooted Kids, and if you've been here for any period of time, you've heard about Rooted. Rooted is one of the primary ways for you to connect with God, uh, with other people here at the church, and with your purpose. It's a 10-week small group journey uh, in which you'll have conversations about a bunch of different areas that your faith touches. You'll be able to pray with your group, uh, do a prayer retreat, do a serve experience where you're serving the homeless together. Um, it's an amazing journey. But a, a while ago, we decided that, um, that the parents who are attending Rooted, they've got kiddos, and we didn't want to just hire a babysitter. We actually wanted uh, people like Addison to be able to grow in their faith as well. And, uh, and so Addison, unfortunately, I have not been through Rooted Kids. And so uh, Addison was going to tell us a little bit about what we created with Rooted Kids. So you want to tell us, uh, you went through about two years ago, no, a year ago. Yeah? Tell us a little bit about what Rooted Kids was like. Well, we had this time called Fun, and we had this time called Focus. During the fun, we could do beads, we could color, we could do basketball. During the focus, we could pray around the room, we could pray all together, and we'd talk about things in the Bible, like Jesus walking on water. Pretty cool stuff. What was your favorite part? I think the beads and corn. <laughs> right? But you made, Miss Addison, you made a pretty big decision during Rooted. What was that? I got baptized. Isn't that awesome? So I would love it. I think we'd all love it if you just told us what your baptism day was, was like. Cold. Very cold. Um, it was cold because it was right after the windstorm. So the heater turned off, and we were last in line, which made it even worse. Keep going. My dad dunked me, but it wasn't the same as being dunked in a lake. It was different because before I got dunked, I felt heavy. And after I came up, I just felt like all that heaviness melted away. Pretty cool, huh? So. I love the fact that Jesus, uh, he loves his children. Um, he loves his kiddos as much as he loves the adults. And, uh, and he guides them to make public declarations of their faith in him, just like Addison did. So anything that you want to tell anybody fifth grade and under who might be wanting to go through Rooted Kids? They're probably going to like it. There you go. You're probably going to like it. <laughs> so one clarification really quick. Rooted Kids is for those uh, kids of parents who are currently or who will be going through Rooted. So registration is open for both. We start in a week. We start on April 11th, Tuesday nights, and your connection team out in the lobby has everything that you need. Right now, though, we're going to begin our morning with prayer. Would you stand with us? Well, Jesus, we love you. It is such a privilege to gather together. The fact that we have the freedom to gather together on a Sunday morning um, to come before you and, and bring our praise and also bring our prayers. And so, Lord, we ask that you help just help us set everything away. Um, everything that, that we walk in the door, the concerns, the worries, um, the things that may be distracting us. And, Lord, that we'd be able to focus all of our attention, all of our adoration on you, because you are worthy of our praise. 
So we invite you into this space this morning. We give you all the praise. And we all say amen. amen. Let's sing together.
ahead and have a seat, please. We've been singing about God as the good, good father. And I, I think about um, my picture of what a good father is. He's loving. And if you think about what Jesus did on the cross and that God asked his son to go to the cross for us, what an incredible love offering for us. What an incredible gift given to us that Jesus would willingly go and sacrifice his life on the cross because he loved us. We're going to take communion in just a minute. And um, communion is, is such an incredible way to express our love back to the Lord. To remember what he did on the cross and, and what an incredible act of love that that was from a very good, good father and a good, good savior. Let me read to you what the word has to say about communion. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We have an opportunity to actively participate, actively remember what Christ did for us on the cross. We go through our days on autopilot sometimes forgetting, right? Because our days are so darn busy. I want to encourage you to remember. And take a moment before you receive communion and examine your own heart. God asks us to examine our heart before we before we come to the communion table. See if there's any area where love has been inhibited, where love's being stopped. Maybe any area of hardness. So you can come forward when you're ready. Take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice. Spend a moment in prayer first. And then let's examine our hearts.
God, we thank you for your amazing love for us, God. How good you are. God, and we worship you this morning. God, we just give you today and ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. God, we just love you and thank you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, this time we are going to receive our tithes and offerings. Um, if you're new here, please don't feel any pressure to give. We're just glad that you are our guest this morning. Um, and I just want to thank all the generous uh, people who give so freely to uh, uh, our ministry here. We're able to do so many wonderful things within our church and the various ministries that we support here and in our community through Serve Spokane and the various efforts that we do to impact um, our city and the various lives that we are in contact with. So thank you for your generosity. Uh, we love and appreciate that so much and able to do so much because of what you do. So ushers, you can come forward and we can receive our tithes and offerings now. Well, glad that you're here this morning. It's a good day, right? Sun was out earlier this morning. Zags won last night, so... Um, just puts us in a good mood. You know, we're ready to receive now this morning. We, we can more easily open up and, and take in God's goodness because we do not have bitter feelings. Hey, so we've been in this series uh, looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus made throughout the Gospels. And it's been a really great series. We've looked at some really powerful stuff. And, you know, as we've looked at this series, you know, it's one thing to understand what Jesus does, but it's another thing to understand who Jesus is. And, you know, our confidence in what he does is rooted in who he is, because if he's not who he says he is, then what he's accomplished for us really doesn't matter. And what we've done in this series is uh, we haven't said, here's what he's done, but we've looked at more of uh, uh, who he said he is. And then we've taken that and uh, seen how this impacts us in our own lives and how we're to live this out um, in our daily life. And so as we begin this morning, we're going to look at another statement where uh, Jesus says something about who he is and what does that mean for us. So as we begin, let me ask you this question. Is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? You know, if it was all stripped away, right, would Jesus be 
enough. And this I am statement that we're gonna look at this morning is crucial for us, not only just to, to understand, but really to live out in our life. The statement we're gonna look at comes out of John 15, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. So let's read this whole passage together, and then we'll break just a few pieces of it down. And you know, I really pray that this morning, not only would we leave with a greater sense of who Jesus is, but also how this, if we live this out, it completely reshapes the way we live our life. Let's read this together in John 15. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will, uh, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Notice one thing uh, that Jesus says right off the bat where he says that God prunes. He's the gardener and God prunes everyone. He, I think this is really interesting because it says that we all get pruned. Uh, even people who are producing good things in their life, the branches that aren't producing anything, those get pruned. But even the branches that are producing good things uh, for people who are doing the good, right things in life, they're investing in, into the healthy relationships and their relationship with God, and they see good things happening, those still get pruned. And that can be hard and difficult and painful. Uh, most of us know that that's difficult when, when God does things in our life that we don't quite understand and maybe takes something away. And it can be hard, it can be difficult, confusing. But know that it's for a good reason that God wants to produce even more good things in our life. Now, we could spend an entire message on this topic of why God prunes us and why God takes things away, but we're not gonna do that this morning. We're gonna focus on a different aspect of this about the importance of staying connected to the true vine, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. We're gonna focus more in on why that's important to stay connected. But even when we do, we will, we will experience pruning where God takes things away and it can be difficult, where he cuts things out of our life. And it's hard, but it's for a good reason. So Jesus says that I am the true vine. Now this is a really important analogy that Jesus makes uh, because uh, up until this point in the Old Testament, when the prophets spoke uh, of Israel and Jerusalem, there was multiple times that they were referred to as the vine. That um, 
As the prophets spoke on Israel and Jerusalem, they spoke of them as you are the vine, but it was always in a negative fashion uh, where the prophets would speak and say, you're this vine and you're not able to produce fruit and that you're gonna wither and die and be thrown away and be burned. And so when Jesus comes along and he says that you may have thought that maybe you were the vine, but he says, I am the true vine. What you were never able to do, I can do. You were a people who were not able to produce the fruit that, that you were supposed to. You were uh, not able to save yourselves. And he says, I am the one. I am the source of life. I am who you were never able or could be. I am the source. Through me, as you are connected to the source, it will be something incredible that you had never experienced before. Through me, you can be freed from legalism and religion, and you can live a life in relationship with the real source of life. Jesus is saying, I am the source of life. I am the vine. I am who you could not be. Jesus is making a really clear statement here. Without me, without Jesus, you can produce nothing eternally lasting in this life. If you are not connected to the true vine, you are just simply a branch that will dry up and get tossed. This has eternal implications for us too, if you think about it. It's not that hard to think about the branches that don't produce something, get thrown into the fire, right? Without being connected to Jesus, your eternity is at risk. But if you are connected to Jesus, he says, if you are connected to me, then everything changes. Your outlook on life changes. The way you live your life changes. How you live your life changes. And the fruit of your life should look different than those who are not connected to me. The fruit of your life will grow more and more as God grows that in you. And it's really clear here what Jesus is saying is that being connected to him, being connected to Jesus produces fruit and being disconnected produces nothing. Jesus says in John 15, five, he says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. I look at this and I wish that God would have said or Jesus would have said something different because being a branch is not that cool. It's just the fact, right? I wish you would have said like, you would become this awesome tree that, that blossoms. And, and for the most part, a lot of times, that's kind of how I think of my Christian walk, is that if I get uh, rooted in the right stuff, and you know, and maybe you think this too, like as long as you root yourself in the right place and you make sure you find a spouse that's good and you're doing the right things in life and you incorporate these things, then you'll become this like wonderful tree that God blossoms but that's just not what it is. That's a very me-centered uh, me focus on it's about me and, and how I grow and how I become this wonderful plant or tree. But Jesus says no. He says you are just a branch. You are an extension of who I am. That's what it is. Because remember, he is the source of life, he's the source of this vine and we are just one branch, we're an extension of who he is, who that vine is. When we stay connected, we're able to get all that we need 
from the source who is Jesus. Then we're able to produce good things. It says that we produce good things, fruit. You know, we produce um, good things within our families or we produce good things in our marriages or within our friendships, within our schools. We produce good things when we're connected to the fine. Jesus goes on and says, he says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. That gives us satisfaction to know that we're doing the right things. We're pleasing God, right? It's pleasing to Him. That, gives, that should give us satisfaction. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. When we're connected to Jesus, there, be, there should be an outcome uh, of good things in our life, that we should experience joy, right? It's our overflowing joy. We should experience satisfaction because we're pleasing our Father. And then it says you'll produce this fruit. And, and I think this fruit uh, is found in Galatians 5. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it says that we produce the fruit of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, and self-control. And it, may, it would make sense to me that this fruit would grow in a cluster. And, and I think that's why it was uh, talked about in this way that the, the writer uh, put it all in this one sentence here, that there's this fruit that should grow in a cluster, not individually in separate places. Because um, it makes sense that if we don't have love or much love, then we probably don't experience joy. And, and then if we're really not experiencing joy, we probably don't have a lot of peace because there's some unrest in there. And then if we don't have a lot of peace, well, we're probably not that patient, right? We're a little uneasy. And then if we're not that patient, well, then we're probably not that kind to people. And then, you know, if we're not that kind, well, we probably don't have a lot of goodness to give out to others. And then if we don't have goodness, well, then we're probably not faithful. And then from that, you know, we probably don't have a lot of gentleness and self-control. But then it would make sense that, that if we do have these things and God does grow this fruit in us, well, if we have love, then we probably experience joy and then that joy results in you know, a peace in life and maybe a confidence and that peace then gives us patience and the patience gives us kindness and so on. That when we stay connected to Jesus, this is what he grows in our life. This is the fruit that Jesus grows in our life when we are connected to him. Now, I, I think of Grant, my, my son Grant, when, when I think of this, on how when Grant does certain things, he experiences good things in his life. And, you know, I had some high schoolers come up to me like a week or two ago or three weeks ago, and they said, Nate, all you tell is dad jokes now. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, I'm a dad. It's true, and they're like, yeah, it's still kind of funny, but you just tell dad jokes now. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All I think of is my kids now, okay? So I was thinking of this, and I was thinking uh, of Grant. And parents, you know this, right? That there's days that when your kids wake up and they just want to please you. You haven't done anything different. They just, that day, they just want to please you, right? And, and so Grant will do this. He'll have days where he wakes up, and you know, we ask him to you know, get ready for school and do this, and he'll be like, yes, daddy. And then you know, we'll give him something, like, thanks, daddy. 
And then he'll like draw you a picture and give it to you. And he'll be like, uh, you know, this is how much I love you. And then you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then you see that like he receives joy from it. You know, he gives you a hug. and He's like, I love you, mommy and daddy. And then he runs off with this big smile that you can tell that because, you know, he's doing these things in life that he's experiencing joy. You know, he's, he feels content within the family. He feels peace in the family. He feels joy. You know, he's more patient when we tell him, Grant, you need to wait just a moment. And then he'll be like, okay, daddy, and he'll go do something. You know, he experiences that patience. But then parents, we know too that the days that kids don't wake up like that, right? It's just crazy, right? There's zero patience. There is zero peace. There is no kindness, right? It is all just madness going on, that we can see that this play out just in the most simple ways. But then within our spirit, uh, spirituality, within our own lives, how that when this plays out and God grows these fruits in us, it would make sense that it would all be connected. And there, uh, I have a hard time imagining someone say that, I have just so much kindness for the world and for people. But then but then, you know, have zero patience. There's just no way. It's either intertwined and connected or not. The fruit of the Spirit will continue to grow in our life more and more as we stay connected. When we stay connected to that true vine, that should be the outcome. Not because we somehow will the fruit to grow in our own life, that we just say, grow fruit, but it's because we stay connected to Jesus and our focus is on him, it says that he grows the fruit in us, not us trying to do that ourselves. But often, you know, too many times in our Christian walk that uh, that's not exactly how it ends up playing out because Jesus follows up and he says, well, from apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who doesn't remain in me, well, you just... This useless branch that doesn't produce fruit, and you wither and die, such branches are gathered up and they're burned. And when we're disconnected, it says we, we don't produce the fruit that we should. But what do we do though, right? What do we do? When we, we're disconnected, we try and produce it ourselves, right? That's what we do. We've all been in the spot where we get disconnected. You're not in church as much as maybe you should be. And you're not really reading your Bible. You're not really praying. And you go, it's okay, I got this. You know, very rarely do people freak out and, and run back to God. Oftentimes, it's you go, I got this. And you try and grow those things yourself. As long as I, you know, do the right things in my home and in my family and in my work. And, you know, I can produce these things myself. And oftentimes, oftentimes that is what happens. And not paying attention to Jesus, the real source of life, we try and grow the fruit ourselves. And we can all go to the grocery store and get a big bag of grapes, right? And it looks delicious. But you let it sit out on your counter for too long from being disconnected to the vine. It may look good initially, but once it's been disconnected, it has a shelf life. And in our spiritual life or our bucket, you know, it, it still, it leaks as well. And our spiritual life, it has a shelf life too if we're not gonna be connected to Jesus, that eventually it will decay. 
And maybe you've been in this position before where you look at people who are in need or in trouble or uh, in the midst of adversity in their life, whatever it may be, and you, and you can just think to yourself and go, I'd never do what they do. I would never treat my spouse like he does. Or I would never do the things that they do over there. I, you know, when I'm never gonna be a part of that crowd, getting in yourself in compromising situations and, and doing these things, I would never do that. But in reality, it's just a result from disconnectedness. And, and some of you in here probably know this really well, that when you do get disconnected, there may have been one point in your life where you say, I would never do that. But then you find yourselves one, two, five, ten years down the road, and you find yourself in a point with your marriage that you go, how in the world did we get here? Why am I doing the very thing that I said I would never do? Why do we have zero patience? And why do we have very little kindness? Or, or you find yourself in the spot, you know, within your college years or post-college years, and you go, how did I find myself in these very similar compromising positions that I said I would never do those things when I was younger? It's a result of being disconnected. It doesn't happen right away, but over time, it decays and we find ourselves in the spot of disconnectedness. You know, I, I just imagine Jesus when he's talking to his disciples, and this is one of the last things that he told his disciples. This is chapter 15 of John. In chapter 18, he's taken, and that's where he's betrayed. So this is right after the Last Supper. I mean, this was one of the last things. And I just imagine that there's like, a, uh, in the room that they were in, that there was like a dead branch somewhere. And he, and he probably pointed to it, and he just said, hey, could this branch ever produce fruit on its own? And they were, you know, they were probably like, no, that's a no-brainer. There's no way it could. And he goes, exactly, you have to be connected to me. You cannot be this branch over here thinking that somehow you're going to produce fruit. That would just be unheard of. You know, I have some fruit trees in my backyard, and uh, I, I figured out that you have to take care of them or they don't produce fruit. And... <laughs> and they also will die on you. So I had a pear tree up and die on me last year. I was super bummed about it. Um, but I've kept it in my ground for some reason. It's still there. It's been dead for like a year and a half. I even had a guy come out where he like lopped the, like the big middle piece off and he said, oh yeah, it'll come back to life. And I was like, oh, here's your money, you know? And then what happened? It didn't come back to life. Never paying for that scam again. <laughs> but I mean, I have this dead tree here thinking it's just magically gonna produce a pear again? Like that's absurd, right? No one would think that way. Someone would come out to your yard and say, you need to dig that up and throw it away. And I think Jesus probably, he probably had this branch here that goes, could this produce fruit? Well then how in the world do you think you can be disconnected from me and still experience the fruit of the Spirit and still experience uh, eternal uh, uh, accomplishment in your life? Of course not. There's no way that would happen. But we go on, right, and we try and grow fruit ourselves, And just being completely disconnected to Jesus. So I'm talking to my wife last night uh, about this, and I think God put this on, on my heart uh, just to share with you guys. But you know, I opened up with that original question, uh, is Jesus enough? 
is Jesus enough for you if you know, it was just all stripped away? All of it was stripped away. And I'm talking to my wife and um, I was just saying, hey, this is gonna be difficult because this is one of those messages where I go like, okay, God, I got it, right? And I told her, I'm just gonna be preaching to myself the whole time tomorrow. She was like, that's okay, babe, you got this. And uh, you know, I, I'm just thinking that, and how many times that I just try and do things on my own, and you know, I'm probably not receiving life from Jesus really in the way that I should. You know, try and run on my own power, you know, as being a pastor, you, you, you try and look smart in front of people, you try and act like, you know, you understand the Bible on like such deeper levels than other people do. It's not true at all. I probably understand the Bible half the amount that most of you in this room do. And I look at some of you and just go like, man, there's so much wisdom in here that you, you should be the one up here talking and not me, but I, I get up here and try and act smart when that's just, it's just not even really me. And, you know, expectations that I try and live up as a pastor and um, just thinking that, I mean, I go through these points in my life and where here I am and then I look at other people and I go, yeah, I'm, I'm more connected than them. I have more fruit than this person does, you know, over here or whatever it is. And, you know, in reality, that may be true that you know, I, I probably do show you know, more fruit than maybe some people and you know, maybe I am connected, more connected than others or whatever you wanna call it. But man, that is such the wrong motive. Such a wrong motive to, to desire to be in a relationship with God and then compare what I am to other people. And man, that, that is not the motive I wanna have. That's just not it. I mean, that's out of, out of I wanna grow things myself mentality. Do it out of my own power. That's not what I want. So I, I was just thinking, you know, that I, I tell our, my students this in our youth group occasionally where I just say, man, if youth group was just taken away from you, just stripped away, and you didn't have that anymore, what would your relationship with Jesus look like? You didn't have that, and I think that's applicable to us today, that what if just our church was just taken away for whatever reason? Sunday morning ceased to exist. Your Bible study that you go to on Monday nights or Tuesday nights, whatever, ceased to exist. What would your relationship with God look like? Would you even be connected to him at that point? Or is your only connection to the God who desires nothing more than to be in relationship with you just through an avenue of a service? Don't get me wrong, what we do here is really, really good. And it's really helpful and it benefits our community in, in so many incredible ways. But is Jesus enough for you? If it was all gone, is Jesus enough? And I'm just thinking in my own life that Man, I, I act like it is. But in reality, it probably isn't. And I just wanna have a desire that it's not out of competition or comparing. I just wanna have a desire that I just wanna be connected to the ultimate source in life. I mean, who cares what, what other things are happening around, but I, I just wanna be connected to you out of the love that I have for you. Is Jesus enough for you? 
I want him to be enough in my life. I want my life to reflect a true and genuine love and relationship and not me just trying to grow fruit and try and act a certain way. Jesus says, if you remain in my love, then you will obey my commandments. And I think sometimes um, we think that obeying God's commandments means remaining in his love. That if I do the things I'm supposed to do, then God will love me more, or I'll love God more, I'll remain in his love more. But what Jesus says is remain in my love, and then, remain, and then follow these commandments, remain in these commandments. When we focus on Jesus, and we deepen our relationship with him, then out of the love that we have, we desire to obey his commandments. So essentially, when we remain in his love, and our love deepens for him, we desire to obey because we love him, and we see the changes happening in our own life. So when I first got married, um, I didn't know all the ins and outs of living with another person. So I had just lived with my parents, never moved out for college or anything, get married to my beautiful wife, Chantel, and I didn't know all the ins and outs, okay? And so uh, this is kind of what would happen. I'd take a shower, get out of the shower, dry off, take the towel and be like, woo, throw it on the ground and leave. I'd get home and Chantel would be like, hey, honey, come here. And I'd be like, okay, walk in. And she'd be like, what's this? That's a trap is what it is. <laughs> and I'd say, and I'd be thinking in my head, I know she knows it's a towel. <laughs> so I'd say, um, it's a towel. <laughs> and so she's so gracious and she'd say, yeah, I know it's a towel, Nate. Uh, what's it doing there? And I'd go, what do you mean? (laughs) So I kind of figured it out over time, you know, and she explained to me, trained me, that there's this little bar next to the shower. You actually take it and you fold it over it. And so I've gotten better at that over the years. You know, I'm still not perfect. Still, uh, God's still sanctifying me in many different ways. But when I get out of the shower now and I take that towel and I hang it up over the bar, what I'm doing is not taking the towel, hanging it over the bar and going, I'm gonna love Chantel so much more now. (laughs) Yes. My love just deepened for you because I hung the towel up. Doesn't happen at all. We know that. My love for her drives me to go, I want to please her by taking this and hanging it over the bar. But sometimes we just get it stuck in our head that if we we take the things that God wants us to do and we do those, then we think that somehow that's gonna result in him loving us or us loving him more. And it just doesn't work that way. What he says is remain in my love and then these, uh, you will remain in these commandments. You'll obey these commandments. And, and that's so key for us to understand that when we try and keep all the commandments thinking that our love for God will deepen because we do those, that's just legalism. It's just legalism and what that drives you is that it drives you to the spot of saying that I can try and grow my own fruit, obey all the things and then you get to the spot where you just compare like notes on well how good have you done versus how good have I done. That's legalism. 
We remain in his love by, he says, remain in my words. Let that be in you. By understanding his heart more, by by opening our word out of a desire to, to truly be connected to him and have his words remain in us, where we take his living word in daily or as often as we can. And as we do that and then we pray and we give God our heart and we tell him the things that are bothering us, the things that we're happy about, and then we understand his heart more and what he cares about and accomplishing his mission that as we remain in his love, then God, we don't grow fruit ourselves. That would, that would be absurd that a, that a branch could grow fruit itself without being connected to the vine. But it, it, uh, as we are connected, then he grows that fruit in us and our life changes. And then all of a sudden we desire to obey his commandments based off of our love for him and because we have been remaining in his love. And here's the thing, when we remain in his love, we remain in Jesus, we love others. When we remain in Jesus, we love others. So here's how he finishes this, that he says, I am the true vine. I am who you could not have been. And when you stay connected to me, I will grow fruit in you and I will develop your life. And, out of, and as you remain in my love, you will desire to obey my commandments, not out of obligation or legalism. I freed you from that, but out of a love for me. And here is my commandment, love other people. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Something incredible happens when we stay connected to Jesus, when we remain in his love, in turn, we love other people. We love other people. You cannot remain in Jesus and not love other people. Cannot do it. Out of this love for Jesus, because he loved us, that God sent his son to live this sinless life, and then he died for us and he served us in all these things and he freed us from sin and shame because he's done this and he's loved us so much and offers this connectedness and relationship to the real source in life. In turn, we love people that are hard to love, the people at your work that you have a really hard time loving. In turn, by being connected to him, we love those people. We love hurting people in our community We love our families more. We love our friends more. We love the hurting people in our schools more. We see the needs in our our own lives and in our own communities, the things that God cares about, and we love those people because remaining in Jesus has an effect on our life and that there should be fruit that is grown and in turn we have a desire to obey his commandment and his command is to love other people. There is no remaining in Jesus and being connected to him without loving others. When we love other people, you know, it's great to do those things. We have to make sure that we are connected to that, that it's an expression of our love for Jesus. That is why we love others. I don't wanna be doing something out of my own power. I wanna love people because Jesus loved me and I love him. When we do this, our focus is less on us, but our focus is much more on Jesus and the love we have for him. When we remain in Jesus, we love other people. 
Is Jesus enough for you? Is he enough for you? Are you connected to the vine? Do you see the fruit grow? Do you love others well? Jesus laid his life down for us and later in John we, we, we hear him say that there's no greater love than this to lay one's life down for his brother. When we love other people, we put others' needs before our own. We put our spouse's needs before our own. We put hurting people's needs before our own. We serve others, we care for others. We care for people because Jesus loved us and we love him. It's not out of a, I'm trying to grow my own, own good things in life and fruit and this stuff. No, it's all about our love for God and our deepening intimacy with him that then we drives us. It drives us to love other people. Do you need to connect to the vine? Do you need to focus less on growing your own fruit and focusing more on just remaining in God's love, just remaining in the love of Jesus. God desires nothing more than just to be connected to you. I think that's amazing that the God of the universe wants to be connected to you. It's incredible. Let's live lives connected to the source because Jesus is enough. He's all we need. And through that, we can love other people and see his vine expand through our world. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, that you love us that much, that you want and desire to be in relationship with us and to grow us. God, we pray, Lord, that we would be a people who care deeply about being connected to you, not trying to will good things in our life to happen or will fruit to, to grow, God, but we are focused would be being connected to you. God, and you would grow us. Our focus would be on remaining in your love. God, deepen our intimacy and our desire to be with you solely based off of we want to be with you and be connected to you. God, and help us love the people all around us more and more. Pray this in your name, amen. Thank you, Nate. That was an incredible word. Jesus is enough. Well, hey, uh, if you find, if you're in need of prayer, um, something stirred in you this morning, we're going to have the prayer team right over here uh, for you. And then if you'd like to join me for First Connect, if you're new, I'll be over here under the monitor. Would you stand with me, though, right now? On your chair when you came in, you found one of these. If you didn't, it might have fallen to the floor. Um, so grab this uh, on your way out. We have four services for Easter coming up. The first one is our Good Friday service on Friday um, of Easter weekend. It is at 7 p.m. right here, um, a celebration of what Christ did for us on the cross. And then we also have our Easter services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Please use this as an invite. Invite somebody back with you to Easter. We'll see you back next week. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Have a great week.